Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Crit Lives Within podcast. It's been a long time since we last spoke, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 months. So long, in fact, that you can essentially consider this a different show. That fact aside, I remain ever your host, Many Meets. Most of you are likely to know me from my role on the SCP Foundation Wiki, where I serve as operational staff for the Site Crit team and the relatively newly formed MAST team, or Maintenance and Ancillary Site Team. I also serve as a chat operator in the SCP IRC, and I am a presence in several other SCP subcommunities, such as the SCP Declassified Discord server. I have a number of SCPs which you've potentially read and voted on, such as my SCP-5600, a December to Remember, which was my entry for the 5K contest. Or perhaps you've heard about my SCPs on places such as the SCP Cafe podcast, run by fellow Wiki staff member uh, and Wiki administrator, Blue Soul. Shout out to Blue Soul for his appreciative feedback and guidance over my, uh, I guess, about 18 months as a formal Wiki contributor. It is much appreciated. With those recognitions done, I would love to talk about literally anything else other than myself. This was the only time I planned to do an introduction like that. Originally, this podcast was intended to be a short, critical look at one piece at a time. I looked for underrated and undercommented works with net ratings of 30 or less and fewer comments. Then I'd go over the piece and essentially give it crit, or critical feedback, like I would in my capacity as wiki staff. After thinking about this format for a while and talking to some folks that I trust, I came to the conclusion that, while well-intentioned, I was missing out on talking about valuable real estate for pieces that were truly excelling on the wiki. There are several core elements of just about every wiki main list SCP that fails to take off and stays at 30 or less for its rating. Commonalities, if you will. I don't say that to wash away the distinctions between pieces, or to try to lump everyone's work together, or to claim that these pieces are not worth review, but rather I point this out because these articles are going to have 70% of their faults in common. There could easily be a lot of revisited content as we talk about why a piece is rated where it is in that 0 to 30 range. However, by opening up the format of the show to talk about pieces that leap up in rating and grab readers, we are doing two major things. First, we are talking about modern pieces that are being written right now. I love that. There are a lot of great channels and communities out there on the internet and in podcasts that cover all your classic pieces, like the Series 1 staples, the big contest winners like the 2K, 3K, DoomCon, places that read whole articles out with voice acting, and places that overview the sort of greater attached lore. There are a lot of people who cover those niches. It's great that we respect those contributions, because so many authors today are standing on the shoulders of giants with regard to some of our wiki content. But it's dismissive and short-sighted to consider modern things derivative or to hang on to old wiki content when the quality is better now than it ever has been by our writers. The second major thing is in recognition of what it is people want when they look for crit anyway, the keys to success. 
it's great to get feedback about where you can improve, where a piece may have gone wrong before you, the author, self-deletes, uh, or you go back to the drawing board and try another idea. But if you understand your audience and are even better armed before you start writing, your SCP might be better, and you'll certainly feel a little less lost in the process of writing an SCP. So it is the goal of this show to pair those two things, timeliness and success. I want to make two things clear before I go further. All pieces that remain on the wiki main list are on the table for me to cover. I will pick anything I think is interesting enough or provocative enough or whatever other criteria I want to apply, and I can talk about it. That's the benefit of running the show. I can pick that. Of course, we may do polls for episodes or my suggestion box is always open, but someone has to decide, and until the show becomes a nation-state with formal elections, that gets to be me. The second thing I want to make clear is that all of this is just one guy's opinion. I have my own set of morals, values, attributes, and I can also be objectively wrong. I have to attempt to interpret authorial intent and also parse my point as a show host, a reader, a fellow author, and as site staff. That's a lot of hats to wear. Having said that, I am an open book and I hope this show can be too. We can discuss anything relevant to the process, to the community, and so on. I love talking about this stuff, and I am excited for you to join me. Now then, the meat. <laughs> Our very first relaunch piece is SCP-5430. This piece is titled, A Snake Wearing 48 Sneakers. It was written by A Random Day, sometimes just known as Ard and uploaded to the main list on June the 9th, 2020. At the time of this recording, it's accumulated a net positive of 137 with a couple dozen comments on the piece. This is short, sweet, and it blew up fast. As I look at the piece on my screen, it covers from rating module to footer, 60% of the height of my screen, maybe 70% tops. Uh, this piece is also a nice, simple, straight-up Sigma-9 default skin for the wiki, which is kind of refreshing, especially in a short piece. No formatting bonanza, just clean flash fiction. The object class is safe, and what that does is try to set our expectations at least a little. This is your earliest indicator if an article is going to try and screw with you in an unconventional way or not. There are two kinds of tricks, literal and figurative. A literal trick would be a kind of a conventional plot twist. Uh, it turns out it was the butler that killed the rich oil tycoon and not his estranged son. That's a literal twist, a fact turning into a different kind of payoff. A figurative trick in this context is going to be a manipulation of technique or format, or something else more subtle that winds up being relevant later on. This article isn't trying to trick you, so I can't really get into this any more deeply right now, but it is a thing that I am sure will come up as the show progresses and covers more topics. Safe is one of our classic object classes. A safe object is one that, once contained, has a fairly low cost of containment. 
Now, what I mean by that is we don't have to do very much to keep it contained. There's no massive support system and highly complex safeguards here. The procedures created by the author state that 5430 lives on the grounds of Area 12 and wears an electric fence collar. This critter has subdermal trackers to help us keep tabs on it. We combine this with its non-hostile demeanor and this makes for a safe object. It's just living life, staying quiet in Area 12. There's an inclusion here that it has feet, 5430 that is, and these feet are intended for dry, sandy terrain, so we need to fit them with protective footwear. If we combine this with the name of the article, we have our first major clue about what is to come. This is subtle. This is good. I'm smirking as I read this, and I hope you are too. We end our conprox on that note, and we move on to the description. An eastern garter snake that is almost 7 meters long, 6.7 precisely per the author's distinction. Now, I live in an area with garter snakes. I've grown up around them. They're very common in North America, and most of you have probably seen one um, or live in an area where they're common as well. They are not 7 meters long. Half a meter, maybe, when fully adult. Some big boys can be 1 to 1.5 meters tops. So this is a lot of snake. And our author here doesn't mention weight. I don't know if that's deliberate or not on the part of a random day, but I can tell you that not mentioning it leaves my mind free to imagine a couple major options. The snake could be normal size, like a one meter long garter, but just kind of stretched out to seven meters. Or it could be scaled up like someone took a magnifying tool and it's seven times the length and width of a normal one. I don't know, and that's okay, because the mental wrestling I'm doing saves the author some work here. You don't have to kill your reader with details. The human mind will do plenty of lifting on its own. The 6.7 meter snake also has 48 legs, which are from a blue-tongued lizard. These legs have been thomically grafted on. Thaumic here in this context is interchangeable with magic. Thaumaturgy is a kind of formalized, semi or wholly ritualized magic. Alchemy is a kind of thaumaturgy. Blood magic is a kind of thaumaturgy. It's a very big and very expansive term that is kind of a catch-all for magical shit, and that's okay. Beyond that, this is a normal snake. Aside from having legs, and aside from being atypically big, it doesn't do anything else that isn't snaky. It eats a lot, but it has a normal snake's diet, and it's just a snake. We combine this with the information that we were given during the conprox, and we can see why the author has labeled this as safe. It's a simple anomaly, and that's okay. Here, the description transitions to a discovery and recovery log, although there's no formal break. We found this snake in New York City's Central Park. Central Park is very large, bigger than some small towns, in fact. There was a hysteria and sightings reported of a, quote, massive centipede-like lizard, end quote. An MTF is sent, Lambda 12, a.k.a. Pest Control, and we find the snake chasing rabbits inside the park. We apprehend it, and we restrain it. It is really just that easy. Obviously, the article doesn't end here, because if it did, this would probably be voted off the site. 
During Restraint of the Snake, a fellow by the name of Jared McBraddock accosts the MTF. He is an unlicensed, unregistered, and untrained thaumaturge, which immediately tells you that the author has placed this article in a setting which includes registered thaumaturges. So that's a nice touch. Possibly, uh, although not specifically, a canon like the Broken Masquerade, where we no longer have a veil, and some secrets, like the fact thaumaturgy exists, might be out in the open. Of course, the author could have had some kind of private registration in mind, too. It doesn't really matter. McBraddock attempts to control the snake and force it to attack the MTF, but it doesn't or it can't. How McBraddock tries to control it is unclear, but we can imagine command words or just barking orders or something. This is one part of the article that I think could do with more substance. Probably only a couple of words or a sentence tops. It isn't really a red flag, but it's one of the few structured criticisms I can leave the main body of work. The anomaly ignores McBraddock, and we tackle him and bring him in. A background check revealed that McBraddock has had a couple of bad weeks. He broke into Central Park Zoo, into their tropic zone, and he was arrested and got out on bail. We check his apartment, and we found evidence that he'd been trying to fuse commercial snakes and lizard pets with each other, practicing grafting the lizard legs onto the snake bodies, and then selling these as pets. Um, he was also buying lots of tiny sneakers so he could outfit them. Uh, he was doing this for almost a full year before whatever event happened that caused him to break into the Central Park Zoo. We put an MTF on the case of trying to find the pets. We mind-wipe McBraddock with some agnostics, and that's it. McBraddock has been effectively neutralized as a threat. There is a late addendum which tells us that the snake, that is to say SCP-5430, responds positively to music. This little dude vibes and dances when he can hear the attending physician's MP3 player. Having noticed this, we set up speakers to play music for him at a low volume near his nesting site for little extra exercise during his basking hours. End of article. So this isn't destroying the world. We ultimately have a New York City snake wearing Tim's, just ignoring this douchebag thaumaturge and living his best life. He's chasing rabbits, he's dancing, he's basking in the sun, having a great time. This snake isn't evil, it's just a snake. There's no mimetic effects, although the concept here is certainly memeable in and of itself. The strength of this article is in its direct and simple message. It's a thing that can just make you happy to read, and it fits the format and context of the Foundation. The topics that it deals with are serious enough to avoid conflating this article with a dash J or a joke. There are 30 comments right now as of the time I'm recording this. Not all of the comments are positive, but many are. One user, Jacob Conwell, said, quote, Short, sweet, and equal parts, what the fuck and cute. While there are times that a robust narrative and characters are required, this is not it. End quote. Now, for the most part, I agree with this sentiment. This article has a very short period of time where I would tolerate it before it overstays its welcome and becomes tedious. We stay well away from that threshold. We dive right into simple action 
with a simple premise and then we get right out. There's a potentially greater implication here in all of this in the narrative. Obviously we do not deeply understand the motivations of McBraddock. Did he break into the tropic zone for more snakes and lizards? Or was this to seek more exotic stuff that he couldn't buy on the open market? Perhaps a benefactor made a big dollar request. I also want to know how the snake was this big. Did he fuse a bunch of garter snakes together? Were all the pets that he sent out normal sized or equally large as this SCP? Were his motivations perhaps more sinister? Obviously he tries to command the snake and it just doesn't listen. But did he create this with the intention of making it a big fat kill machine vor snake? Is he doing this for revenge? If so, on who? Is he doing this for spite? If so, against who? We don't know, but it's that extra layer there that I like to look at. Uh, it's something for you as a reader to take away from the piece and wonder about without ruining your enjoyment. It leaves you with questions you want to ask without being unsatisfied. Hopefully. At least, I'm not left unsatisfied. I gave this article a plus one. Overall, it doesn't contain any immersion or pace-shattering typos or grammatical errors. I'm not claiming that it's error-free, but rather that nothing here blew up my experience. I don't demand perfect grammar of myself, so I'm not going to demand it from everyone else. There are later comments in the discussion piece of this article that it feels like it lacks the substance to earn their vote. And when someone says that on your short piece, there isn't a ton you can probably do to change their mind. This is the power of an individual vote. You get to set the terms for what is worth supporting. Some people enjoy a quick article that can tell you something and then get out of your way. And some people need that extra real estate to really get invested in what you are trying to say in your article's message. Your expectations set from the very first view of this page are for a short work, safe class with simple containment procedures. We know why, and although we have lingering questions about the implications of the article, the article itself closes up all the threads of plot that it attempts to introduce. Bring your reader something simple without frills and fanciful formatting, and there will always be an audience willing to give you their upvotes. This is what we find when we look under the hood. I'd like to give a thank you to A Random Day for posting this piece, affording me the opportunity to review it. I'd also like to thank all of my listeners for your time and attention. If you're new, thank you for giving my podcast a chance. And if you caught the first run of my show in 2019, thanks for sticking around and keeping yourself subscribed to my podcast wherever you choose to consume it. I'd like to give a special thank you to A Random Day for posting this piece and affording me a chance to review it. And thank you to all my listeners for your time and attention. Whether this is your first time tuning into my podcast or you're one of my listeners from 2019 who's hung around with your subscription and is still getting the notifications, thank you. Keep reading, keep writing, and don't fear a snake in Tim's.